What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I'm your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset, your behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. So here we are, guys, on episode number 42. Last week, I was speaking with Mr. Hugh Cooney of um, Bleeper Bike, and I've just been playing back the episode, and I realized that I made a bit of a rookie mistake. And at the very opening, I don't know if any of you noticed, but normally the my uh, my intro kind of bursts into the middle of the song, and then the song kind of fades out. And uh, anyway, I've just been listening, and I screwed it up. So I'm going to make sure that that all gets rectified. And um, this week, I am talking about the importance of having a mentor. Now, it's going to be... I'm intending on it being a short enough episode because as of this moment I'm recording, it is Valentine's Day. So I hope you're all having a great Valentine's Day. By the time you're listening to this, Valentine's Day will be behind us. But I hope you had a great day. And uh, so I'm not going to spend an enormous amount of time today given that um, the family are out and about. i got to go get this sorted. So first, a little quick update. And the Facebook group... um, is currently at about 258, 259 members. This is a really good way to connect with me. Um, If you have any questions or topics you'd like to cover, anybody who leaves a comment in there always gets a response um, in terms of whether there's, you know, advice that they'd like on a deal or or anything at all to do with your investment career or building a portfolio. Just go in there, become a member, go in there, join And I will always respond. Now, it may not be an instant response because I do try to get back as soon as I can. But, you know, work can get in the way. Uh, Also, my social media has really gotten busy lately. And so my Instagram, I've added about 200 followers, new followers in just the past couple of weeks, which is kind of unusual. I've never expected it, never seen it so busy lately. So I think it may have something to do with the fact that I've been on Clubhouse a fair bit in the last couple of weeks. And Clubhouse, uh, I, I'm sure a lot of you, I've spoken about it in the last couple of episodes, but it is absolutely tearing away at the moment. And it's incredible. I now have 1900 followers in just, I don't know, four weeks since I joined it. So it's it's pretty phenomenal. And um I don't know where it's going to go. Uh, it's going to continue growing the way it is. It's it's just insane at the moment. So if any of you guys want to join Clubhouse, I do have some invites and I'd be only delighted to help you get in. I've just given away the last couple of invites today, but I get about three or five every single week. So as soon as I get another couple, I'll just allocate them out to whoever reaches out on a first come, first serve basis. And just a few things for you to know. First of all, I can only give an invite to somebody with an iPhone at the moment. They are working on an Android version of the um, of the program. But at the moment, it's just iPhone. And second of all, you will have to share your mobile number with me. Now, it's funny. People are saying, can I get an invite? And then I, I private message them and say, "Okay, give us your number. And suddenly they're all sort of not so keen to kind of share my number as if I'm a weirdo who's going to kind of stalk them or something. This is the only way I can get my uh, get the invite to you. Whatever way Clubhouse is set up, it's set up through the mobile phone. So when you join Clubhouse, 
you actually have to put your mobile phone number in and it sends you a text and all that kind of stuff. So it's authenticating your number. And that's how my um, invite gets to you. So it's not any kind of a weird thing. I'm not trying to get your number, just simply the way I can share out the invite. So if you've got an iPhone and you're happy to share your number, I have an invite for you, no issue. Right, in terms of current stretch goals and challenges, as you guys know, or perhaps, I mean, I know that quite a few new followers have come on since I joined Clubhouse. So if any of you are new listeners who haven't listened to the earlier episodes, I do suggest you go back to the start because there is kind of a a sequence to this and it covers a lot of my early career and stuff. So we'll probably fill in a lot of the blanks. But for anybody who is familiar, you'll know that I'm pretty obsessed with challenges and constantly kind of stretching myself. And so in terms of my fitness, I have been training for this Ironman and I'm currently just today finishing week 13 of my training. And it's a 39 week program that I've signed up to. So um, week 13, starting week 14 tomorrow. And the, uh, the <laughs> my legs are absolutely aching. It is really starting to ramp up the um, the training session today. Um, I had to run for an hour and 20 minutes. Um, and that's off the back of yesterday's three hour, 15 minute cycle, followed by 30 minute off the bike run. So my legs are pretty wrecked at the moment, but um, I haven't really got time to do any other challenges. And I've been averaging around a thousand burpees per week just in the recent days and stuff. So anybody who's interested in challenges and stuff, one of the reasons why I do this stuff is just because I think you got to push yourself out of your comfort zone to stay sharp and um, by constantly challenging yourself you're always kind of in the mindset to push yourself on further and um, farther and that can go for either work or it can go for various things goals in your life and stuff like that but unless you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone you'll stay in a kind of uh, uh, an easy place and that's kind of like a rut and on the topic of challenges a quick shout out to my friend JP And JP, if any of you have listened to episode number 35, you will remember JP was my guest and we talked about finishing the year strong. Well, JP yesterday ran an ultra marathon um, of 50 kilometers in about six hours whilst being live on Clubhouse. And it was a kind of a challenge that he and I talked about and we joked about him doing it and he actually went ahead and did it. So for six hours, he was out running in the... um, pretty cold weather and not only that though he was actually talking to people and kind of coaching them as he went and did it so uh, what I call about that is marathon readiness and it's it's a situation where you have your your fitness and your endurance at a level where you can just run a marathon tomorrow if you decide to do that and um, that's something I'm very impressed with in JP's case because only you know just under two years ago He was in an awful bike accident uh, when somebody hit him head on and his legs were smashed into pieces. They were wrapped around his body from the accident. And he's so he's had, you know, all sorts of metal bars and stuff placed in the middle of his legs to kind of help him walk. So to run a, you know, an ultra marathon after 18 months is is pretty phenomenal. And um, in my case, I guess I'd like to think of myself as being burpee ready and I did 500 burpees on Tuesday and you know the point of this is not to kind of talk about how great I am or any of that kind of nonsense really it's just about believing that your health is your wealth first of all 
um, because, well, in my case, my father died at 45. So for me, health is a big, you know, is a big issue. And I, I know what it's like when you're when you're one of your parents dies when you're in your 20s and stuff like that. It's not pleasant. And, you know, those are they are your guide and and your kind of hero and stuff like that. So it's awful to lose. So with five kids, I'm very keen to keep my health in as good a condition as possible. And also, I believe that the fitter you are, the more capable you are to cope with the stress and strain of this business. Because let's face it, the real estate business can be a stressful business. And, um, you know, you're out borrowing money and you're doing stuff and sometimes stuff, you know, can go wrong and whatever. So it's if you have your health in good state, usually your brain can kind of cope with the ups and downs. And um, and I don't want you guys to wait until you've lost your health and fitness to suddenly decide you need to get fit. It just just live in a permanent state of readiness. And I think it'll stand to you. So anyway, look, let's get on to the main event. All right, today I am talking about the importance of having a mentor. And uh, one of the reasons I've decided to talk about this is I've been spending a lot of time on Clubhouse lately. And it's very, very clear from the amount of questions I hear people asking. There's all of these property investment rooms and stuff. And I've heard people asking the same questions over and over. And it's clear that a lot of people are struggling with simply just getting started and understanding the basics. And they would definitely benefit from having access to a mentor or a coach. But then on top of that, I hear people saying that they have joined a program and, you know, the, the, the coach or the mentor told them that they can do this. And that's actually been bad advice or it has been simply wrong or it has been something where the guy doesn't quite know his facts and figures and has given the person some pretty poor um, advice. And so I just thought I would talk about this today. Um, you know, through my career, I did not have at the, the early stages of my career. I did not have a mentor and um, it actually caused me some harm. Now, in some senses, I suppose it was a good thing because I didn't have someone kind of urging me caution and holding me back. But ultimately, it cost me a lot of money getting involved in deals that perhaps a mentor would have steered me out of. Um, but the other point that I wanted to make is that no matter where you are along your career, you kind of always need to have a mentor or somebody there that you can kind of bounce stuff off of. That need never really goes away. Um, you're just as you level up, as your expertise kind of increases and stuff, you need to look for new challenges and new sort of issues that are going to pop up. Um, doesn't matter what you're at. So if you're just buying, you know, single buy to let property, you're at a certain level and it's good to have a mentor there that can kind of that has done that kind of stuff before and that can point you in the right direction and steer you away from issues. But say you get to the point where you've been doing that for a couple of years and you want to level up to buying, say, an apartment building or you want to get into commercial or you want to get into actual development. That's introducing a whole new set of issues that your mentor that maybe you've been working with hasn't done before. Perhaps they're not at that level themselves. So you constantly have to be looking for the next person to kind of bring you to the next level. And um, a lot of people start out residential in the UK. I'm hearing HMOs all the time. That's all I hear. And then in the US, a lot of single and multifamily. And uh, but you can only go so far 
with this before you want to start scaling up your business and you look for the larger deals. And the reason this is so important is, you know, if you're, you get to a certain scale with a property business and, you know, if you make what the first time you do a deal, if you make 50,000, you will be jumping for joy thinking that, you know, you've made all the money in the world. But after you've done that, you know, five or six times, you start to think, you know, 50 grand, why can't I do these deals that other people are doing where they're making 500 grand in a single deal? Because it's very true what they say is that the same amount of work goes into doing a 500,000 profit deal as goes into making a 50,000 profit deal. But the same also applies for the 5 million profit deal. Literally the same work, the same principles apply. It's just when you go up to that level, there's all these additional complications. You've got to deal with investors, you've got to deal with banks. The banks have all sorts of different criteria at that level. So you need somebody to help you guide, help guide you along that way. And um, that throws me, uh, that, that basically brings me to the next point, And that is that you should have a, I guess you should have kind of a budget in mind for your continual development and education. And this is something that a lot of people sort of struggle with because, I mean, we all have expenses and we have lifestyle and stuff like that, but you've got to keep yourself in this mindset that you never stop learning. If you think that you'll reach a certain age, like I'm 48 now, like I am constantly, constantly reading and learning and continuing to try to learn more and more because it's I, I don't consider myself to be the most knowledgeable person on earth. I basically think that I've, you know, I've got some experience. I've done a lot of things in the past, but the market is constantly evolving. New things are happening. And so I'm constantly hoping to to learn more. And you just you'll never arrive at that point where you know it all. You just have to move your sights on to bigger, more ambitious goals. And, you know, that's where mentors and these education programs can kind of be very interesting. But they do get more expensive as you go up through the different um, as you go up through the different levels. And over the past few years, I've joined a number of programs coaching programs and accelerators and for me one of the best ones i did actually cost me about eight thousand pounds sterling and um, that was money so well spent i mean you get such a return on your money when you spend that but if you don't have eight or nine thousand pounds lying around it can be quite an expense it can, it can seem quite expensive and you can question the need for that but i've just been speaking with a friend of mine who's involved in coaching and stuff. And he has just joined a mastermind group that costs him 20,000 a year. And I was saying to him, geez, you know, do you, you know, when, how quickly can you kind of make that back? And he was saying that he, it's, it's blown his mind that as soon as he joined up, he could see that this thing was going to pay him back. And he reckons that he'll probably make about 200 grand a year off the back of joining that 20 grand a year mastermind. So it's just... It's kind of fascinating how this thing goes up because what it does is it expands your mindset and it kind of makes you feel more confident and gives you a lot of tools and strategies to kind of move forward with your career and never look back and and kind of, you know, hold yourself back with the thinking that you had when you're at that kind of starting out point. And uh, there's an old saying that um, the skills that got you out of Egypt are 
different to the skills you need to get to the promised land. I think I, I, don't, I hope I'm not butchering that sort of that statement. An alternative way to look at mentoring and, and the need for a mentor is just to consider the amount of mistakes that you could avoid by having an experienced mentor in your corner. I think I mentioned before that um, I my, my, my father died when I was in my 20s. And so I didn't have that kind of father figure in my corner sort of holding me back from getting over exuberant. And in 2005, I'd been doing really, really well for quite a number of years. And in the space of about six years, I had made probably close to about 30 million, um, maybe 20 million in in just constant gains in the property market and assets going up all the time, keeping going up, keeping going up. And I felt this sense of I could not lose, that everything I touched was turning to gold. It was like I had the meatest touch and I'd figured out the kind of the magic formula for making money. So I came a lot to uh, across this deal in the south of Spain. I've talked about this before, but to, to those of you who are not um, who are not familiar with this story, back into the December two thousand and five, I put a big deposit down. I think I put six hundred grand deposit down on this huge Spanish project, and at the time I was so full of confidence that I was going to make like tens of millions on this deal, and um, uh, so I ploughed my money into the deal. And that is the point where if I had had a, a mentor in my corner, he might have just sort of like told me, hold on a second, hold on a second. Think about this now. What are you at? Uh, because in the end, that deal cost me more than three million in in cash that I had actually put into. Like the 600 grand was just the beginning. I kept on putting more money in, more money in. And I raised money from investors and I went off and I borrowed money from banks and I did all of this stuff. And in the end, it cost me in actual capital that I plowed into the project. It cost me more than three million. Um, so I lost three million cash. But even worse than that, I lost seven or eight years of my life as I basically tried to save that project after the 2008 crash came along. And I was trying to shore up the problems the market just kind of completely collapsed. I was off trying to find tenants. I was flying around the world trying to find investors. Like all of this stuff probably could have been predicted had I um, simply sat down and reflected on what I was doing. And I had not had I not allowed that overconfidence of making all that money in the previous couple of years kind of mess with my head. That's where. I think a mentor could have really, really helped me. And if you think about it now, looking back, I mean, had he cautioned me against doing that deal, he could have saved me three million pounds, we'll say. Now, what is that worth? I mean, how much, knowing now what I know, how much would working with that mentor have been worth my for, for me? I mean, would I have paid him 300,000 to save me 3 million? I mean, in retrospect, yes, of course I would have paid him that. But of course, if the guy, if I was talking to somebody and he said, pay me 50,000 a year for the next six years and I'll save you 3 million, you know, you would kind of think to your man, to yourself, mm, yeah, sure, you know, move along. But it just gives you an example looking backwards how all of this stuff can make sense. Another consideration is the, the amount of time that can be saved um, 
when I started out, I made a number of rookie mistakes and that took years to fix. Now, they didn't cost me a huge amount of money, but they did cost me a huge amount of time. And for example, myself and a partner, we bought a commercial retail unit in a pretty rough part of town, but it had a very, very strong weekend footfall. It was it was very, very close to one of the national stadiums that we have with an 80-seater stadium. And it was at the exit of this 80,000-seater stadium. And so we found a tenant right away who was willing to move into the unit and pay us 35000 a year in rent. And the unit we were buying was costing us 500000 And at the time, the commercial yields were about 5%. So we were looking at a valuation after the tenant moved in and signed the agreement and everything of about 700000 So myself and my pal, we were chatting away and we were going to say we were going to make... 200 grand the moment this person signed the lease and so we thought this was deal was a no-brainer now my little bit of mentoring advice to you guys is there is no such thing as a no-brainer and i don't want any of you to ever use the words no-brainer when you're talking about property because that leads you into all sorts of difficulties as we did so we committed to buying this this retail unit we paid uh, 500,000. We borrowed, I think, 90%. I think we put 50 grand. We put 25 grand in each and then we borrowed the rest. We borrowed 450 and we signed up. Um, we did all this before we signed up the tenant. And so the property was in our name, but we had a tenant who had appointed an architect and he had appointed a fit out contractor and they had actually started work inside the unit. They were actually putting up um, you know, slabs of plasterboard in the walls and they were doing all this kind of stuff. So we were absolutely confident this deal was in the bag. But the lawyers were still going back and forth on the language in the agreement. And after a, a, about a week or two of them slabbing out and doing all their internal work, a planning notice went up on the adjoining property. And um, it said that there was going to be a retail unit moving into this property. And... That is all that we needed to know. Um, uh, that's that's all we saw. And then before we knew it, our lawyer contacted us and said that he's just been advised by the solicitor for the tenant that they are pulling out of the deal and that there will be no signing of any lease. Now, we ended up, you know, fighting with them all over all, all this kind of stuff. But the long and short of it is that we spent four or five years paying interest on that loan and we had no tenant for that entire duration of four or five years. Now, we did find some tenants in the uh, in for the you know for the unit. But remember, I said that it was a rough part of town. Well, what actually happened was the local heavies moved in on this guy. So he opened a fast food place. So we had hoped to turn it into a convenience store like a spa or one of these kind of local shops where they sell everything uh, we ended up having to change permission because the local shop ended up opening up next door so we had to go and turn our unit into a fast food restaurant and a guy went in opened up a fast food place and I think he was selling like fish and chips or whatever it was but the local heavies like the the couriers that kind of work in that uh, on the street corners selling drugs or whatever they basically moved in on the guy and muscled in on him and started demanding protection money of so much per week or whatever. 
and he wasn't prepared to do it. So what they would do is they would just anybody who pulled in to go and uh, to buy takeaway food, they would smash the wing mirrors off their cars and they would do all this stuff. And so the guy ended up just closing down the place and walking away. And we tried to go after him. But you've got to understand in this commercial business that when somebody signs a lease and, you know, if they're a, if they're a private you know, person, it's very hard to go after them and get much from them. You're seen as the big landlord and they're seen as the poor tenant in the eyes of the courts. And it doesn't matter what agreement you have. It can be very hard to enforce that kind of thing. So we ended up selling this unit after four or five years of trying our best to find a tenant. We sold it in an Alsop's auction. You know, these big auctions where they put, you know, 500 properties on the block that day and they have these disclosed reserves that are very, very low. And our disclosed reserve was actually 90,000. Now, having paid 500,000 for this property, 90,000 was the reserve. And in the end, there was a little bit of a bidding match and a chap came along and bought our property for 136,000 euro. So we lost 360 4,000 on that deal and uh, not including the four or five years of time wasted trying to fix the mess and so how much would I pay somebody now in retrospect how much would I pay somebody to save me four or five years of hassle and grief Uh, you know it doesn't during that time I had to pay the interest had to go off talking to agents trying to find trying to fix up the place every time it got broken into by the local couriers, all of this stuff. Who could have saved me? A mentor probably could have saved me. So having someone in your corner can also help accelerate your career forward. I mean, you know, saving you four or five years is one thing. What about somebody who can actually propel your career forward four or five years faster than you would do it on your own? That is another reason why I think having a coaching, um, you know, either a coaching program or these, you know, property education courses, I certainly don't think you should knock them. A lot of people, now you do need to get good quality and you need to check the testimonials and you need to actually follow up and make sure you're getting good advice. I have a couple of guests coming on the podcast in the coming weeks who do this kind of thing and they've got rave reviews from the people who work with them. So I don't mind bringing them on and I'm quite happy to promote, help them promote their business. But it's um, it's just something that I thought I would bring up. And um, I do think you should keep an open mind to it. When I was starting out, I was skeptical of this kind of thing. I kind of thought these guys are just out there trying to get your money. And the reality is, is that they can save you a huge amount of money and they can actually show you systems and behaviors and all this kind of stuff. Now, just this week, I signed up to a new coaching program myself. And um, now in my case, it's not a property related one, but it is a, a program for entrepreneurs. And the, the guy that is actually running this program has been coaching entrepreneurs for the last 40 years. He's one of the, the best known in the world. And he 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 actually is the coach to people like Peter Diamandis and like, you know, basically he has coached billionaires and stuff. And so I'm really, really excited about joining this coaching program and I'm looking forward to start working with him. And and he has built a global coaching business. So it's going to be pretty interesting. And anything that I learn in there, 
obviously you're going to hear it from me here in this podcast as well. So that is a good segue for me into asking you, the listener, for some feedback because I get a huge amount of requests for mentoring and coaching myself. Uh, a lot of people are asking me if I can help them, if I can coach them, and I'm delighted to, to help any listener as best as I can. But the reality is, is that my time is very limited. So I just I just question how much use I can be to somebody if you can only reach me when I'm you know free or whatever. However, since I joined Clubhouse, and the amount of number of people that are now reaching out to me has just increased even more than ever before. And it's made me start to consider whether this is actually something that I should consider starting myself. So the question I have for you is what level would I need to pitch any kind of a coaching or mentoring program at? Like uh, there's such a diverse audience listening here. There's a lot of people that are starting out at the very, very beginning. I know because people who join the Facebook group, there's three questions that you answer. And more often than not, uh, the questions are, you know, that you're at the very beginning, you're starting your career, you haven't even invested it yet. And so it's you're at the beginning. But then there are others, smaller numbers now, but there are others that have, you know, already done 10 or 15 deals. And so they're looking for how to level up to the next stage and stuff. So I would be really grateful if you guys could actually go on either social media or email me or, uh, you know, go into the um, into the Facebook group and just jot down. Let me know through a message on Facebook or whatever. What would you be interested in if I was to do some sort of a coaching program? Would it be at you know the basics or would it be a level up or would it be the higher level stuff that you're interested in? Obviously, I'm operating a you know a commercial business park that is offices and you know the, the business park is worth probably the total amount of all of the assets. There's 37 buildings. I, I would estimate that it's worth probably 500 million in size and we have 50 different occupiers. Like some, most of these occupiers are paying a couple of million a year in rent. And so obviously when you're up at that level, it's not relatable to the guys that are at the at the lower level. So I want to make sure that if I was to do something that I'm not pitching it at a level that everyone is kind of thinking, this is ridiculous. I don't need to know this kind of information. And also I'm curious to know what kind of coaching or mentoring would you be looking for? I mean, I've considered things like a weekend boot camp. I've considered things like a three month sort of accelerator program where you just come in and we work together for three months and then that's it. You're kind of off on your own. Or I've considered the 12 month mastermind where you have direct access to me. We'll do, say, a weekly Zoom meeting. We would review deals together. We go through opportunities in a small group. We'd have a WhatsApp group for, say, accountability. And indeed, we could also look at possibly having some sort of an investment club where anyone who comes into this club actually can kind of invest in deals with me. These are things now, like I haven't made any decision on any of this. I simply at the moment am gathering data from you, from you guys. If nobody responds to this podcast today, then I probably won't do anything. But if you guys come back and tell me, does this sound interesting? Would you be interested to know more? 
then it's something that I'll actually start then looking at in a little bit more detail. And maybe, who knows, maybe I'll do all of it. But for now, it's just feedback I'm looking for. If it sounds interesting, please let me know. All right, guys, look, Valentine's Day, lots to do. I'm sure you guys are all having a great time. I'm here recording a podcast. This is my own fault for leaving it on the last uh, <laughs> to the last minute. Please reach out to me and let me know if you have any questions, topics you'd like me to cover in future podcasts. If you have any guests that you think I should reach out and try to interview. I've actually plans to talk to a chap called Kevin McDonnell in the next week or two. And Kevin is an Irish guy that does property coaching and things like that in the UK. So it should be interesting to chat with him and get his insights. So that is it for episode number 42 of Behind the Facade. Thank you so much for listening. Please, you'll find web links to the various things discussed in today's episode. Well, maybe you won't in this case. And if you find the episode useful, please reach out and give me a you know rating on iTunes or a review or maybe even just share out the podcast to somebody who you think might find it useful. Again, if you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover, connect with me via the Facebook group Behind the Facade Community or alternatively find me using my social media handle Gavin J. Gallagher. And I have been doing a fair bit more in Instagram since it suddenly started to blow up lately. And lastly, if you want to stay in touch um, with the latest updates, uh, inter- you know, various um, events that I'm hosting or whatever, you can sign up to my uh, email list, which you'll find if you go to gavinjgallagher.com forward slash go. All right, folks, that's it for another episode. I will see you all next week. <laughs>